0: Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. Amen, good morning. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning and to uh, be able to worship the Arkim with you. It is very special for me to to be in front of you. At the same time, it's frightening. <laughs> I'm always struggle with that part, but but I be, had to be grateful to the Lord for the opportunity. I try to uh, uh, share every opportunity that I uh, receive with great uh, responsibility, and I think uh, there is a desire in me. To share every sermon as if it was my last one. So there's no chance for me to tell you next Sunday I'll be here. This is the day that the Lord has made. So I'll be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. It's Christmas time. So I hope that you have a real good joy today. Whether you got what you asked for or not. It's not about that. It is about Him. Amen. Amen. Very grateful to be here. When we started this journey, the advent, uh, when we started our advent journey a few weeks ago, we had Brother Mark Miller that came and spoke to us about hope. And when he opened his message, he started to speaking to us out of Isaiah 11. And that passage it speaks about the hope that is awaiting for the children of Israel. And he spoke of a shoot, a shoot coming out. And the, the things that as a foreigner always calls my attention is the change on the sea, of the season in Virginia. I grew up in a climate where we always have one climate divided in four different degrees. Ha, 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 hotter. That's it. That's all what you get. But in Virginia, you're blessed with all seasons. And one of the things that you get to enjoy here is the wintertime. You have the fall and the beautiful foliage, you know, leading to the winter. And when you get to the winter, it's like everything is dry as a bone. But there is something coming ahead of you, and it's springtime. And there's something with the trees that they have an internal clock that says when it's time to start shooting out those bulbs, no weather will stop it. They will come out. And I love that because it's the representation of our Christian lives. Sometimes we feel dry. Sometimes we feel dead. Sometimes we feel there is no need to to continue uh, moving on. But there is hope in Christ. Can you praise the Lord for that? Then Pastor, amen, yes, you can clap your hand. Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Pastor McCready came along, and again, I, I feel that I have a really hard task this morning to try to follow this man that came and deliver you the preached word of God. And I know that Pastor McCready has a heart for the congregation, but not only has a heart for this congregation, he has a heart for the kingdom of God. And this church needs to be reminded, or we must be reminded at all times, that it's all about Him. It's not about a man. It's not about the the good music. It's not about the wonderful decoration. It's all about Jesus Christ. And as long as we keep that in mind, we will be okay. Amen. As long as we keep that in mind, we, and he spoke about the peace, the peace of God. And I love always uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, 4, 6, and 7. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your heart and your mind. Where? In Christ Jesus. You know, and of course, we talk about peace everywhere. And we look at the government. We look at the city. We look at the county. We look at the state. We, every piece of leg- legislation, we're hoping that it will bring the peace that we need in our hearts and in our minds. And it will never be complete without Christ in our hearts. So Christ is our peace. And that's why we can sing in the midst of the storm. That's why we can sing in the midst of the trouble. That's why we can sing when everything else is gone. We can still praise the Lord. Because the peace of Christ reigns in our hearts. That is what Christmas is all about. Amen. After that, we have Brother... Timothy, joy. Right. Yes, brother Anthony Wood. Thank you so much for correction. I told you I'm not perfect, so <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Ken spoke to about the the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But it's not only the joy of the Lord, uh is our strength, and he's used John chapter 15, and John chapter 7 in the presentation of his message. And as he was speaking of, there was one word that kept, he kept citing, and it was the word gushing out. And, you know, when you see a water fountain, the only reason why you get a water fountain is to see the water flowing. A water fountain, A water fountain that does not have the water flowing... It really is not very attractive. You enjoy going to see the water fountain because you love to see the water moving. Peru and Lima, Peru, there's a beautiful water park. And you can go over there and they have all these crazy uh, designs for the water to shoot out. But when they turn it off, it just look like a plain that field. But when they turn it on. The music goes along with the water. The way the, you know, the way the music the way the music goes up and down, the water goes up and down. The way that the music waves, the the, the water will wave, and the colors will change. So it's a very delightful thing to see that you know. And I think that. When the water of oh God, when the joy of the Lord is in your heart, that should be the same for us as believers. And let me tell you, if you're here this morning and you were expecting a new car and, or you were expecting a new bicycle, you were expecting a new uh, electronic or a new gadget and you didn't receive it. The Lord, of, if you have the true joy of the Lord, that water should be flowing in your heart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Because Christmas for us is not about what we receive. Christmas for us is is, is thinking about what happened over 2,000 years ago. When in Bethlehem, a little baby was born. And that little baby changed the history. Pastor McCready came along last week and spoke to us about love. And you know the love of God. That yet he was rich. He made himself poor. That in his poverty, you should have been rich. And when he speaks about the love of God, you know, it's the love that doesn't see any uh, defects in you, in you. It's the love that takes you just the way you are. It's the love that transcends our understanding what truly really means to be accepted. But this love comes with responsibility. And that responsibility is that you must choose this, that love in order to avoid hell. I'm sorry about that. You do not like that, but, but you have to choose that love. And it's freely given to you. So we have a responsibility to respond to that love. Otherwise, there is consequences. I'm sorry, you're quiet. But God is Love. And if you come to him, he will never reject you. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to, to uh, you know, to, to dress up. You don't have to, to clean out your life. You won't be able to do that. Only Christ's love can do that for you. Just come to him the way you are. Amen. So, when you think about this and, you, you, and all of these that, that, that we have tried to, to talk to you about and during this past month, it's just leading you to one thing, and it's all about Jesus. We'll stay there. I'm, I'm playing Jenga right now. Thank you, Jesus. Open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 2. Brother J. Temple almost preached my sermon this morning, so I will forgive him for that. How many of you are joyful in the house of the Lord this morning? How many of you feel the love of Christ? How many of you have hope this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 2, we will be reading from the Nats... 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and had come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem within, and gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and determined from them the exact time They started at Peter. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it came to stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly, with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for the country, for their own country. By another way. Father I thank you so much for your goodness. And I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for this beautiful day oh God. That we can enjoy. Together as a family. So my prayer this morning oh Lord. Is that your presence. Your love. Your peace. Your joy. Will become a real in our lives. To those who feel broken hearted this morning. I pray that your joy will be made perfect oh Lord. To those who feel without hope this morning, I pray that they will understand that there is a hope in you, that there is a day when everything will change. There's a hope when we will be with you forever. To those of God who are struggling right now, trying to make decisions of God in terms of their own family, help us to bring everything under your feet, understanding that you care for us. My desire, Lord, is not to present myself, but to present Jesus right now. And all the glory and all the honor and power be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Matthew is primarily a gospel to the Jewish people. Matthew is the gospel of the church. Out of the four gospels, Matthew is the only one where the church is mentioned. And Matthew is the gospel of the kingdom. He uses an extensive uh, uh, portion of it to talk about the kingdom of God. When you read Matthew, you will see that he will present Christ as the Messiah, the promised Messiah. He will present Christ as the, deli- the promised deliverer. And he will pr- present Christ as the promised returning king. When I study Matthew, to me, it's very rich. We don't know much about Matthew except that he was a tax collector. He spent time with Jesus. He was chosen by Jesus as one of his twelve. But once the church to come, we don't hear any more about Matthew. We also see Matthew... As the link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was a 400 years of silence. Uh, some believe that Matthew was not the first uh, gospel reading. Most believe that Mark was the first one. But because of the position where Matthew is right now. In relation to our Bible. He is the link between the Old and the New Testament. Matthew uses at least hundred seventy-nine reference of the Old Testament. Out of the 39 books of the Old Testament, Matthew quotes at least 25 of them. And the key word in the Gospel of Matthew is fulfillment. That's the key word. Fulfillment. So he's very interesting in presenting to the Jewish people that Christ is the long-awaited king. When we study Matthew, we will see that he is filled with uh, topologies. We'll, he's filled with, with a character that represents a lot of the things that the Jewish people were expecting. When you study Matthew, you, Matthew, you will see that when he presents uh, the genealogy of Jesus, he's just not presenting the gene- genealogy of Jesus for presenting uh, a genealogy. He has a very purpose to, to do that, and he does that by present, by using David and mentioning Abraham. And when you study David and Abraham, you will see that these are the two, Two key figures in the history of the Jewish people. One of the things that you find, you will see when you study the genealogy is the grace of God, the providence of God. You study this genealogy and you find four women that they should not be there, but by God's grace they're mentioned in there. You find that he mentioned the Tamar. You will find that he mentioned Reha. You will find that he mentioned Ruth. And you will find that he mentioned Bathsheba. But, uh, Tamar had a, a really bad lifestyle, yet God chose her by his grace. Reha, we know that she was a harlot and a foreigner. Ruth was a Moabite, and according to the law, Moabites were exed, expelled from the Jewish people. And then Bathsheba, we know that she fell and uh, grateful evil sin with David. For yet through Solomon, God allowed her to be Mentioning here. So God's grace. Amen. So God's grace is never too far for those who are willing to receive it. When we read Matthew, you will see that right in the beginning, he gave us a very sharp uh, introduction to a group of foreigners. Prior to this, we believe that the birth of Jesus was announced to the Lowly shepherd in the field. And that also to Simeon and Anna the prophetess. This is the first to encounter. You think that the birth of Jesus would have been like we would see uh, what happened in England. When a child is to be born to the royal family over there. The media goes banana crazy. Every, Every single country sent reporter over there to try to catch a glimpse. They don't even tell you whether it's a boy or a girl until the day that child is born, and then after that, it's just fine to get a glimpse of that child. But with Jesus, that was not the case. Jesus came, and nobody took notice of him pretty much. When we study Matthew, Matthew tell you tell you that there were magi, people from the east. Brother Jay already tell you a little bit about this. There were not any. Dumb people, they were bright people, intelligent people, educated people. But they had one thing in common. Matthew tells us that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of King Herod, Magi from the east. Herod, we we know that was named King of Jerusalem by Augustus Caesar. He was the first true king or emperor of the Roman Empire. And he did not have a really good reputation. He was ruthless. He had a desire for lust. Had about eight to ten wives. He killed all his children to secure the throne. So the fact that he heard that there was another king that was to be born. Or that was born. Created a lot of problems for him right away. He misunderstood. That the kingdom of Jesus is not about earthly things. The kingdom of Jesus is about heavenly things. Are you there with me? You can praise the Lord. I don't charge you for that. Amen. This Magi in the East, they had the chance to ignore the star or to respond to the star. And as I think about this, how often does God show show us something or reveal something to us? And we ignore to listen to his voice or to follow the sign. It breaks my heart to see people going into all directions. Seeking for something that does not bring true joy, true peace, true hope. But yet they will not follow Christ. As I thought about the Magi, we will never truly understand the impact that these stars had in their life. We we will never know until we get to heaven what impact it had back home when they went back home. We will never understand what was the impact in her and their children and their children, children. We had to wait to get to heaven for that. Because there's one thing that I believe that when they went back to home, they did not stay quiet. They told the story of what they had seen. As they studied the star, they understood the time. And when they saw the star, I love the fact that Matthew said. Now that they saw a star, they said, we have seen his star. There was a, a specific star referring to that king of the Jews that was to be born. And they understood that. Jerusalem didn't understand that. The scribe, the Pharisees, the Sadducee, the people that understood the law didn't see it that way. But the Magi understood that. We not know, we do not know what they talk about in the journey. We do not know how many of them, we do not know how many come, we do not know how they, you know, they kept themselves warm or cold. But there's one thing that we know, and it is that they had a determination to go up to Jerusalem and find out about this new king. They had that desire. And I think that when you have the desire to know Christ, it truly doesn't matter. What you had to go through in order to acquire that. And that's why Paul writes to the Philippians. And he tells them in Philippians chapter 3. Chapter 3 what it truly means to try to, to get to know Christ. And he said this uh, with a passion. He said that his desire is to know Christ. Not what he said in verse 7. He said, but whatever was to me my prophet. I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sharing in his suffering, becoming like king in his death. So Paul is saying right here, my desire to know Christ is so much more than just simply coming into his presence and looking at this figure and say, oh, yeah, he, he's a nice looking guy. He's very bright. He's very, you know, uh, welcoming. That's not his. His desire desire is to know Him so much that even He is willing to um, give His own life for the sake of this knowledge. And I I believe that we have to realize that. What is the price that we are willing to pay in order to know Christ? Every year, our church offers you the opportunity to read the Bible through a whole year. Every year we have, uh, I believe, godly sermons that are preached behind this podium. Every year we believe that there's sermon preached over here with the intention to make you move on from point A to point B. And in order to help you to grow and you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every year we preach sermon over here with the intention to, to teach you and to help you that you must stay away from sinful acts. So that in order for you to experience Christ. Every year we have sermon being preached over here with the idea that you can understand what is God's purpose for your life. So, but are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? And it's not about Pastor McCready's preaching. It's not about Brother Jay preaching or anyone else. It's all about Christ Jesus. Amen. So the Magi went on their way and they went to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the king? They had no doubt whether he was true, true, the truly king. You know, it's one thing if they went to Jerusalem and said, hey, we saw a star up in the east. And we want to know if he is truly the king of the Jews. That's not the question. They say, we saw his star. And we're here to worship the king. I love that part. You see, and that's exactly what he had, we have to tell the people. It's not that Jesus is one of the Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. The only way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, all, and no one come to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus is saying. So they saw the start. And notice in verse 2, the, the Bible said that when the king heard this, he was disturbed in Jerusalem within. him. Well, again, the king... Herod, by now, was king for 35 years. So he was an old king. And he wanted to get a hold of his throne. So anyone else that came along the way was a threat to him. He goes and finds out this, the, the, the chief priests and the scribes and say, What does the book say? And they say, A prophet, quoting again Micah 5 2, and they say, In Bethlehem. And when you study Bethlehem, Bethlehem is first mentioned in the Bible as the place nearest where uh, uh, Jacob's beloved Rachel passed away. Bethlehem means house of bread. And when I think about the house of bread, what does Jesus say? I am the bread of life. Jacob is the Horn of David's family. Beth- Bethlehem is the Horn of family. Bethlehem is the place where David was anointed as a king. Bethlehem is the home of two of David's mighty men. Bethlehem is the place that at one point it was sieged by the Philistine and three of David's mighty warriors decided to break through and go get some water for him. And Of course, David didn't drink the water because he said, I will not risk your life. Your life to me is much, much worthy than this glass of water. So even though Bethlehem is diminished a little bit in the time of Jesus, or quite a bit in the time of Jesus, Bethlehem still plays a very important uh, role in the history of the Bible, because this is the place that our Lord chose for his birthday. Bethlehem, the house of bread. He called the people, and they tell him exactly the place. And And notice here that the, the, this, the place where he is born is not the, the greatest place. It's not the very uh, proud Jerusalem. It's not the crowded city. It's not the, you know, the beautiful mansion. It's a place where nobody pretty much took notice of it. But that's the beauty of God. That is the beauty of God. That in his grace, he can make something big. Even though when we think that is insignificant. That is the beauty of the Lord. You study this and you will see that the king called the magi secretly. He was uh, clever enough not to call them in front of the, the scribes and the chief priests of the law. He called them apart. And he said, what is this place? And he inquired then He told them, go and search carefully. Uh, what it means is detail Oriente. Don't just go to Bethlehem. Go there with the intention to uh, specifically find the child. And when you find the child, come back to me and tell me exactly where he is. We know that at this time, it's been a prob- prob- uh, approximately two years since the birth of your child. So Jesus is no longer in the manger. Jesus now, right now is in a house with his mom. And that's another thing that you will see when you read Matthew. When when you read Matthew, you will think you will see that Matthew always mentioned the child first before the mother. Because he has the intention to present Jesus as the promised Messiah. That's the idea behind that. We know that Jesus came to his own for his own receiving. Not. It was rejected by them. We see that Jesus was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and esteemed him not, according to Isaiah 53.3. Luke 19.14 said, But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. Therefore, when you study the Magi, only eternity will tell you how God prospered and blessed them. He called them with his plan, go and find the child. And the, the, the king has no desire to worship him. The king, the, on, the only desire to, to with this child was to kill him and to get rid of any threat to his throne. The Bible said that after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And when they have seen the star, and to me, it's always fascinating that, you know, the star is always guiding them. You know, and those that seek the will of the Lord will always be guided by his light. And, of course, you do not need a physical light. You only need his word to guide you every step of the way. Amen? They were guided by the star. And and, and to me, I always, you know... uh, speculate what was the conversation that they ask how much more do we have to go how much more do we have to wait when will the stars stop and where what will the place be what will the child look like what will he be surrounded for he's the king would there there be a crown on him would there be plenty of gifts would there be choirs or angels or people singing praises to his name and say hello to the king Jesus do not know that that's just my speculation but as a human being i'm pretty sure that could have been possible they follow the star Uh, when i used to live in peru um, years ago i traveled to the andes and i remember coming from the jungle i had to cross one of the highest peaks in the andes of peru it's called a ticlio. if you can pronounce it so right, if you can't, that's all right. But the altitude is so bad at this particular point that when you travel, they give you a little bag because the lack of oxygen causes you headache and dizziness, and some people, will, well, you know, respond to that. And I was coming through that particular point around 2 o'clock in the morning. There was not a single human-made light except the lights on the bus at this particular time. And when you look at the sky, you, you think that you can grab the, the stars with your hand. It is so beautiful. You can see the constellation. You can see shooting stars. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful place at the same time. I, when I had taken two steps, I was dying. I couldn't get back on the bus. I was out of breath because of the altitude. But I can never take that picture away from my mind. The beauty of the sky, the beauty of the stars shining. I never in my life I experienced so, uh, such a light. And when I think about the Magi, they were used to, to study the stars. They used to see them moving from one place to another. They used to see uh, comets or they used to see children starting. But this particular night, there was something very uh, special on the sky that told them it is time to move on and go find out about it. So that when they went ahead on their journey, the star goes in front of them, and the stars suddenly stop. Now, when the stars when the stars stop or hover over the place where the child was, you got two choices: you either go in and see him, or you stay as, uh, outside and only contemplate the beauty of the star. See, there are too many people that have chosen to stay outside. Because when you go inside, your life will be changed and transformed forever by the power of Jesus Christ. Can you praise him today? Your life will be changed forever. And not only your life will be changed forever, but you will have to bow down before him and worship him who lives forever and ever, and ever, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, you will have to surround everything that you are, you have to offer him the best that you are, you will have, you, you, you won't, there's nothing within you that is more precious than to be in front of that child, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, and I, you know, and and I just can when you read Matthew right here, you, you see, you know, they, they went their way, they, they walk, and then Brother Jay spoke that they probably could have taken uh, uh, maybe close to a thousand miles. A thousand miles following the stars. Several months probably walking, attending to the camels, making sure that they have enough food for them and for the animals. They have enough water, making sure that they stay awake. So that the beast and the wild will not take advantage of that, or that they probably were exposed to fees and robbery. But they have one thing in mind the child. And I love this part right here. When they saw the star, they rejoiced greatly. And again, Brother Anthony Wood, this is the part that I like. Because that rejoicing is again, you know, the gift of God. Blow, blowing out of your innermost being. Because of the grace of God with you. Hallelujah. Greatly rejoice. We made it. We made it. We're here. We, the star finally stopped. We can rejoice in the fact that the Savior is right there. And they go inside, they bow down and they worship him. And they open their treasures and they offer him gold. Some say that the gold represents that he is a king. The frankincense, some say that this is a representation that he as a God, as God, a mere, as a man who was to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. They offer The best that they have. See. At Christmas time. We open our homes. For our friends and our family. And we offer them. The best that we have. At Christmas time. We go beyond our limits. And spend money that we do not have. And forget that January will come. And we have to pay for it. We stretch ourselves only to find out that the gifts that we bought, the child, the husband, the, 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 the wife, or the relatives, is going to exchange it. But it doesn't have the meaning that I thought that it will have. It would not bring the joy or the hope that we were hoping that it would bring. Or the love. Why? Because we have taken Jesus away and have turned Jesus into just another gift. That can be a change for anything else. You must give in the best that you have. And the best that you have is not your money. It is your heart. It is your life. Amen. And let me tell you one thing. Once you meet Jesus, you never go back by the same way. You always go back by another way. What does that that mean? Your life will be transformed forever. You no longer dwell. In the peace talk. You are a child of the king right now. You go back. By another way. Therefore if anyone. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creature. The old things. Have passed away. And all things are new. Remember. Christmas is all about. Christ.